Mogu Motivation, educating and empowering entrepreneurs one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media. And I am your host, Antoine Twiz Taylor. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mogul Motivation. Welcome back. I'm happy that you are here. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is for the aspiring entrepreneur who is trying to get over that hump and make things happen. This podcast is for anybody with a dream who wants to go forward and accomplish that dream. This week's Monday conversation, I'm sitting down with Nigel Marenike Matori. She is an entrepreneur from Dallas, Texas, and she just recently published her third book. Nigel, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Likewise. Thank you for sitting down. So, Nigel, let's start at the beginning. When did you fall in love with writing and why? Uh, I've been writing since second grade. Um, I remember in our class we had a project where we had to like do some type of science project about nature. And everybody went with the typical, you know, postable boards. And so I decided to put together like an interactive book of um, stuff about nature and I put like leaves and stuff in it, but I like wrote a story as well. Mm -hmm. And my teacher was so impressed that she took it to the principal and he was like really excited. I'm just like, I don't get it. It's just a book. But he, um, he basically laminated the book and then he bound it so that I could keep it forever. And I was just like, wow, okay. These adults are like impressed by what I did. Mm -hmm. They're like, it just took off. So, uh, do you still have that book today? I do, but it's at my parents' house in mm. Jackson. Like, I've, I've moved, and I don't take it with me. Like, until I get into a house where I can, like, put up everything from my childhood, mm-hmm. it stays at the parents' house. Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt. So, that, so that's how the, um, the seed for writing started. Um, you know, I, I, I used to write a lot myself. When I was a kid, I used to write short stories a lot because I used to love to read books. Um, do anybody in your family, has anybody in your family ever published a book or, you know, put a large emphasis on reading or, you know, anything like that? We don't have any other published authors, but my family actually started from a conversation about a book. Um, my mom and dad were at a laundromat and they both waiting on their laundry and they both reading a book. Mm-hmm. So my daddy decided to, you know, shoot his shot. He's like, okay, <laughs> I see, you know, she reading the book. I'm reading the book. So, you know, I'm going to get up in there. And that's how they started dating, from talking about a book at the laundromat. So reading and literacy has always been important in my family. Wow. Um, all of my siblings, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, everybody reads. I mean, that's just something we enjoy doing. So it's always been a part of my life. Wow, so reading actually kind of created you in a way, you know, uh, basically the passion for reading. So, um, so your first story that you wrote, you know, you was a kid in uh, school. You know, what about throughout high school and college? You know, did you ever envision yourself becoming a published author? Like, at what point did you make that decision? Uh, I would say in middle school and high school, I wanted to be an author. But my problem was I kept hitting a lot of writer's block, mm-hmm. mainly because um, I have anxiety. So I would start on a story and I wouldn't finish it because another idea for another story would pop up. So then I would start on that. And so from middle school to high school, I had a binder full of short stories and I called it Unfinished Chapters. And it was just passed around 
the school, like people would check the binder in and out with me so they could read it or whatever. And then they put in, you know, notes about which story they wanted me to finish. And for so long, like I could not finish a story and I don't know why, but I just couldn't like get anything to come together. And Mm -hmm. then, um, after undergrad, it was just like, it's time to like get on this and make it right. And I just, I was able to finish a story finally. And that's where my first book came from. Okay. And I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned writer's block because that's kind of like one of the biggest, you know, just like one of the most scariest things about writing a book and writing stories. How do you overcome writer's block? Like what are some tips that you recommend other authors use to get over that? And how did you get over that personally? Honestly, I would just say be patient and keep writing. Like it's best to try to write something every day, even if it's just one sentence. Mm-hmm. or a quote that you just thought of in your head, like save it for later because you never know when it's going to come into use or when you're going to create a, a, you know, a story and a character that speaks that way. You can go back to when you wrote down that quote and like, okay, that's what I needed this for. Like everything that you write has a purpose. It just didn't have a purpose when you wrote it. Mm-hmm. So it's best to keep writing, just keep writing and you don't have to necessarily finish the story that you start on. You never know, like, multiple storylines that you started on may come together to create one storyline. Yeah. So that's the best way to get over it, in my opinion. So basically, it's kind of like, you know, because when you write, you know, you're using your brain to write, you know. Um, so essentially what I got from what you just said is we have to work out every day. You know, like, if you want to get in shape and stay in shape, you know, um, you have to work out constantly, continuously, right? So if you want to get over writer's block, you have to constantly put your creative juices to work, you know? And like you say, even if it's a sentence, you just got to do something so that, you know, you can um, condition your mind to, you know, unlock those ideas and creative juices that you really have, you know, hidden deep inside you. Right. That, I mean, that's that's the gist of it, like, it's okay if you need to take, you know, mental breaks or you get frustrated and you just think it's not working out. Okay, take a couple of days. But eventually you need to come back to it. I keep a notebook in my purse and whenever something comes to my mind, I'm writing it down. Mm -hmm. And even if I'm not near that notebook, I keep a sticky, like a sticky pad with me. I write it down on the sticky note and then I go put it in the notebook later. Like at this point in my life, everything is a gem everything has meaning so just save it you never know when you're gonna need it that's beautiful so you got over the writer's block and you said enough was enough and you was gonna move forward and publish your first book can you tell us about that process um number one what the book was about and number two how did you go about um getting that book published so um my focus as an author and a woman of color is to talk about stuff that happens in the African-American community or reflects, you know, our lives and our experience. I like to talk about taboo subjects because I feel like our children are our future and they deserve to know, like, our wrongs and our rights. They need to know, you know, what we didn't succeed in and what we did succeed in and what problems we do have and how we overcome those issues. So my first novel, um, Taste of Insanity, is about mental illness in the African-American community, but it's particularly amongst women. But it's a fiction story. Okay. Um, that story came to me one night I had a dream, 
And I woke up and I just started writing. And I was just like, thank you, God, for finally putting these pieces together for me. Mm-hmm. Because it started from stories that I had been writing during writer's block. Wow. And he finally like put all those storylines together for me. So I completed the manuscript and I was like, okay, now what do I do next? I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. What do I do with this manuscript? So I just started doing research about basically the publishing industry and it's changing so much. Like every day it literally changes Yeah. where if it, I mean, initially there were, opportunities like left and right if you wanted to publish a book there was always an agent or a publisher that you could query but now like technology has taken over everything people aren't as interested in books um not holding a book they rather read it on their phone or their you know people buy their way you know buy their um, way onto the new york times bestsellers list and stuff like that like nothing is as organic as it used to be yeah So I was like, well, my option would be either to go with an independent publisher or self-publish. And I knew I wasn't ready to self-publish. I knew I wasn't ready to take on everything that came with that. So I queried a couple of um, independent publishers and two of them showed interest. And I decided to go with one of them and everything just took off from there. And I used everything that I learned from that experience of being a signed author mm-hmm. um, when it was time to finally self-publish my own book. And what year was this? This was 2013. 2013, we published the first book. And, you know, um, you know the whole uh, getting signed to a publisher, like, can you explain that, that process, like, in a little bit more detail? Like, so is, is it, like, kind of similar to basically an artist being signed to a record label, you know, like, um, like, can you explain it to some of the audience out there? Uh, I would say in a way, and then no, it's not as glamorous. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Like you have to do a lot of footwork, just, I mean, just like artists do, but as an author, like our industry is dying basically. And it's changing a lot. But artists are going to always have an outlet. Like, you can go on iTunes and download a song. They still going to get paid for that streaming. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not the same, but I don't know. A lot of people, if you go into it with the mindset that it's about money, then you don't need to be trying to publish a book or getting signed to, you know, a publishing label. Because it, it doesn't work like that. It's not about the money. If anything, it's more so about exposure and building your brand so that when the time comes, like, you have that resume to say, I've done this, this, and this, so people can take you more seriously and, you know, offer you projects and, you know, help you to the next level. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned that as well. Um, You know, I feel like a lot of authors think that they're going to become, you know, Stephen King, you know, or George R.R. Martin you know, overnight, you know what I'm saying? Or like a, um, Eric Jerome Dickey overnight. And it's not going to happen like that. You know, um, you have to put in a lot of work. And like you said, it's, it, it's unfortunate, but the reality is a lot of people don't read anymore. You know, it's still a lot of people that do read. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's millions of people that still read, but it's still not as much as it used to be. Because like you said, of the evolution of technology, especially with video on demand, and, you know, everybody wants things instant right now. You know, no one really has the attention span 
um, unfortunately, to sit down, crack open a book, and have that discipline to read that book from cover to cover. It's right. it's real unfortunate. Um, who are some some authors that you know inspire you to you know keep your creative juices going? I'm more so into older um, authors, probably mm-hmm. people that kids nowadays wouldn't even know who they are. Um, I was an English major, so I'm really really into literature. Okay. Um, I love Alice Walker, Langston Hughes, Emily Dickinson, Mark Twain, um, William Faulkner. Toni Morrison is like one of my ultimate faves. Like I'm really into literature. Um, and then more so into um, when it comes to African-American lit, like coming up, I really love Eric Jerome Dickey, mm-hmm. Omar Tari, um, Carl Weber. And I did like Michael Basin until he got a radio show, and I realized, like, who he really was. Now I'm not really digging him. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm into a lot of um, literature, pretty much. Like, Zora Neale Houston, Hurston, I can go on forever. Right. If, it's, if it was one book that you had to pick that was, like, your favorite, what would you say? <sighs> Probably The Color Purple. Because I learn something every time I read the book. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like watching Harry Potter a million times and you see something new every time that you didn't see the last time because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about The Color Purple. I actually never have read the book, The Color Purple. Of course, I've seen the movie, but I actually never read the book. See, so you got to read the book. Yeah, I got to add that to my to-do list. So, you, re- you released Taste of Insanity in 2013. When did you um, publish your second book? In the same year. Same year, okay. And what was the title of that, and what was that one about? That title is like S-H-H-H, like Be Quiet, Telling the Secret. Uh-huh. Um, so that that novel is about secrets um, and generational curses. Everybody knows in the black family, you know, they holler out what happens in this house stays in this house. And sometimes we carry on those secrets within, um, you know, to the next generation. And we create these curses and, you know, just how to break that cycle. Yeah. You know, based off the description of both your early um, books, your first two books, and, you know, although you did say that your mission as an author is to, you know, talk about the things in a black community that, you know, make people uncomfortable, um, just even based off your descriptions, you know, it kind of reaffirms that you like to go deep into, you know, subjects that people don't want to talk about, you know, like the elephant in the room. Um, right. And I think that's very powerful as an author, as a, any type of creative person, because that's kind of like our job in a way. We have to, you know, do our duty and tell the truth about reality. You released two books in 2013, right? Yeah. What what is your process when it comes down to like starting your story? So you said that Taste of Insanity was inspired by the unfinished chapters, that notebook that you had in high school. Um, so when you sit down and you decide that you're gonna write a book, what's your process? Like, you know, can you help us out about that and you know, help give us some tips for some authors out there that's struggling on how to get started? Of course. So I usually write down what I want my book to be about. I write the the back cover um, synopsis first, 
so that I have a general idea of what my what I want the novel to be about. And then I do a manuscript, or I'm sorry, an outline. Mm-hmm. But it's basically um, a sentence for every chapter. And I can literally write a chapter just off that one sentence that tells me what I want that chapter to be about. And then I set goals for myself as far as word count, because I typically shoot for um, 70 to 75,000 words. Okay. And I try to write... 1500 words a day whenever I'm writing and then I try to write you know three to five times a week so different things work for different people I mean if anything get get the gist of the story out on paper first because you need to know what it is you're trying to write Mm -hmm. and then you need to know what it is that you really want to touch on like what's important to you that be in this book so I mean, that's what works best for me. It might not work for others. I don't recommend, like, starting off trying to shoot 1,500 words because I don't want anybody to, like, overdo it. But start off small. Try to do 500 words a day. And then eventually you'll be writing probably 1,500 words or more. Sometimes I'll, work, I'll write more. So mm-hmm. it just depends on the person. Um, On average, how long is 1,500 words? Like, if you had to estimate, like, how long is that? If I have no interruptions, I can do that in an hour, hour and a half. Mm. So it takes no like if I have no interruptions, I got my music going, I got some water and something to snack on. Like I'm good, I can sit and write for hours and I'm straight. Like mm-hmm. I could probably knock out five thousand words, but it's, it just depends on the person. What would you say is most important, story or character? The characters make the story. Okay. So it's important that you develop characters that people can relate to. Because without, you know, characters that people can relate to, I don't want to read this story. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care what's going on in their lives. How do we develop a character? How do you develop characters? Yes. How do we develop a character? You pull from your reality. Okay. Um, You run across people every day different types of people from different backgrounds or people that you dealt with in your past, friends, family, just pull a little characteristics from these people and create this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. You know, um, I'm writing a novel and that's what I do, you know, but I've, I've heard that debate a lot before, you know, like some say, uh, story is more important. Some say, uh, character is more important. Like I actually, I have a book titled Story, and basically, you know, the the whole gist of the book is saying that the story is what drives the novel, not the characters. So, you know, I just wanted to get your opinion on, you know, that never-ending debate. 2013 to 2018, um, five years have passed since your second book and your third book, right? Can yeah. you tell us about what you learned throughout that, you know, that hiatus and what ultimately brought you back to your third book, which is running from color. Um, so I relocated from Jackson, Mississippi, where I'm originally from to Dallas. Um, after I dropped my second book, my like tunnel vision was on and it was just focusing on relocating because at that point it was just like, okay, I got to, get out of my hometown and experience life 
and getting to a place where I can write and probably do something, you know, out in the art community because, I mean, there are things to do in Jackson and there's an art scene there, but I felt like I had conquered that scene. So I was like, it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. So I relocated to Dallas and it took me about a year to get settled to, you know, a place where I could finally be like, okay, let me start writing the outline for this book so I can, you know, get to working on it. Um, but in the midst of that, I got to do a lot of research because, like I said, the industry is changing. Literally every day something changes. And so and while I was not, you know, necessarily writing and adjusting to, you know, my relocation or whatever, I basically kept kept up to date with what was going on so that when it was time for me to, you know, promote or finish my manuscript, I knew what I wanted to do with it because, like, my first book, when I cre- when I finished my manuscript, I didn't know what to do next. I was just like, okay, what do I go from here? Yeah. But by the time I got to my third book, I had a better idea of, you know, what platforms were out there and what people wanted and, you know, better context as far as, you know, like, book cover design and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. so tell us about your third book, Running From Color. What, what was the inspiration and what is it about? So, Running From Color is a story set in the late 1920s, and it is about colorism, uh, which is another issue we deal with in the African-American community. Not just our community, but a lot of communities of color deal with colorism. Um, The story was inspired by um, situations that I've been in with my mother as a child and throughout, you know, my life, basically. I am very, very fair-skinned. And my mother is very, very dark-skinned. And so sometimes we would be out in public and I would see friends from school. And not not necessarily like friends that you hung with outside of school, but I would see them and they're just like, why is that black lady, you know, following you like you're going to steal something out the store? Wow. And I'm just like, you know, that's my mama. Like, I would get comments like that or... People would see mama, your daddy must be white. It's like, no, like my daddy's light skinned, he's not white. Or you must be adopted. So that really um prompted me to write Runner from Color, because I know it's something that our community deals with and I've re- I've been really interested in colorism since dealing with that. Um, when I was in grad school, that was um, going to be a subject of my thesis before I was um, basically became a college dropout. Yeah. Was like... Wow. You know, it's even though we know that it happens still in 2018, it's it's crazy to, you know, that that still happens. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just wild that, um, especially black people still think that way. You know, uh, right. like I'm I'm light skinned myself, and my mother is dark skinned. Um, it's the same exact scenario as you. You know, my mother was dark skinned. My father was light skinned. And I came out light-skinned. That doesn't mean that, you know, um, a white man, you know, that my father is white or anything like that. But it is, it's insane that we still have black people who believe that in 2018. Right, and it's crazy because now um, Matthew Knowles is speaking on it. And um, one of the cast members from Love & Hip Hop, who is Afro-Latina, is speaking on it. And it's crazy because nobody has ever known the Love and Hip Hop franchise to be something that, you know, is associated with anything positive. And I really think that her using that platform to 
shine a light on colorism, especially in the Afro, um, Afro Amer- um, I'm sorry, Afro Latino community is like really important. So I appreciate her for doing it. And Matthew knows. I can't believe he's speaking on it, but he's basically said like, if my children weren't light skinned, they wouldn't be as successful as they are, which is true. Like that's yeah. what our society has come to, because that's what colorism is. You're likening success with you know something that's close to whiter skin because mm-hmm. of white privilege. So it's it's an important subject. Yeah, very important, and you know it's it's, it's all throughout our history. Um, you know, uh, light skin. Black, light-skinned black Americans in the early 1900s, you know, could pass for, for being white. Um, right. You know, uh, organizations, Greek organizations, you know, would have the paper bag test, you know. Um, and then, you know, even now in modern-day media, contemporary media, you still see it, you know, like, if you, you'll see two black women who are best friends, right? One light-skinned, one dark-skinned. The dark-skinned one is always the roughneck or you know, the, the less attractive one, quote-unquote. she's angry. Yeah, angry. You know, like, uh, the most common example could be Gina and Pam from, from Martin. You know, Gina was always... The, that's, a, that, that's a prime example. Yeah, yeah, prime example. You know, Gina was always the stylish one. Pam was always, you know, the angry, the one with the attitude, the roughneck. You know, um, school days, the jigaboos and, you know, the gamma rays. You know, it it goes on and on, you know, um, it's just, it's crazy that people still fall into that trap and believe it, though, you know, um, but I don't know, man, it's, I'm glad that you um, actually tackled that issue with your novel, um, and you released the novel February 1st, correct? I did. February 1st, you released Running From Color. Can you tell us about... You mentioned platforms, like you stayed in tune and researched the new platforms. Can you tell us about some platforms for authors to self-publish their novel right now? So everybody is familiar with platforms like GoFundMe and Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, you know, those are decent platforms if you want to use that. You can. But if you want to use something that's specifically for authors, there are platforms out there like Kickstarter and GoFundMe that is is just for connecting publishers with authors or authors with readers. So I use um, Publishizer with a Z, not an S. And um, basically, it lets you create a pre-order campaign and you put together this proposal for your book. Your book doesn't have to be finished yet. It could actually just be an idea and you need the money to start, you know, writing the book or hiring an editor, things like that. Yeah. But it allows you to do a 30-day pre-order campaign and you sell as many pre-orders that you can. And at the end of your campaign, um, publishers query you to see if you want to publish to them or you have the option to cash out and self-publish. Okay. And so... I thought that that would be the best way, um, the best route for me, because I really wanted running from color to be all me. I wanted to be able to say, like, look, this is something that I did, and I'm proud of it, because the subject is really near and dear to my heart. So I chose to do Publishizer, um, but there are other platforms out there. I just didn't see um, Kickstarter and GoFundMe, like, benefiting me. It looked better coming from 
mm-hmm. a platform that actually connects publishers and readers and authors. Okay, and and publishers they take a fee, I assume, off of however much money you accumulate. Yeah, I can't remember the percentage exactly, but it's very small, and that percentage is just to help like fund the website mm-hmm. as far as like keeping it afloat. Okay, okay. So um, after that, you know what are like what are some other uh, things that authors need to do before they get to publishing? So of, of course you have to have your manuscript edited, correct? Um, what do right. you, what do you suggest about that? Like how many rounds of editing do they need to do? What type of editors do they need? You know, et cetera. Um, it depends on your budget and your story. Okay. I opted for line editing, um, for my book, but a lot of different people have different, um, packages. So it, it really depends on what your book needs. Like if you know your weak point is grammar then you need to opt for a package that focuses on that. Okay. If you don't know how to properly like format, you know how to properly use punctuation marks and apostrophes and stuff like that, like you need to opt for the package that will touch on that. But it it all depends on your budget, but at the end of the day, there needs to be some type of editing of your manuscript. That is the most important investment you're going to make when it comes to your book. Okay. Editing. So editing is definitely, you know, crucial, which we will assume it is. You know, you have to have that book edited. You can't just throw anything out there. Um, Right. So after you have your manuscript edited, then what's next? Um, it's, you can get it formatted after you have it edited. You can format it yourself. You can pay someone. I pay somebody because I just don't like dealing with the logistics. I'm more so like, let me write the story and then let me get it edited and uh-huh. then let me, you know, approve the edits and then let me just give it off to somebody else so they can format it right. and make it look nice or whatever because I'm just, I just don't like getting into all that. Um, and the next important thing I would say is the book cover. Book covers are very important to me. Um Honestly, they say don't judge book by its cover, but that's a lie. Everybody <laughs> does it. I'm an author and a reader, and I do it. If the book cover ain't slamming, I ain't trying to read the book. Mm-hmm. So um, I really invested in my book cover this go-round. Okay. Um, the first two books, my publisher picked the um, book covers, but this time I picked it. Some people like to go for $50 book covers. Um, more so like you get what you pay for. Yeah, you get what you pay for. So I invested money into my book cover, and I'm proud of the way it turned out. And the company I worked with, they were really great. Um, but again, like it's it's all based on what you want. But at the end of the day, like the final product is a reflection of you. So I say let those fifty dollar book covers go. Yeah, yeah, you get what you pay for, man. Um, and if you really gonna create something you have to invest in it if you want people to take you serious um exactly so what what are you what are some tips that you recommend authors to market their book when should they start marketing their book and does the marketing stop after you publish it you know how do we market a book once we're ready to you know go ahead and publish it your marketing of your book is a continuous process like you're never done marketing your book if you are a people person and you're you're like an extrovert and you really like approaching people or talking to people, 
if you're on the elevator with somebody, you see them read a newspaper, that's a good time for you to step in and spark a conversation with them and talk about your book. I mean, if you are sitting in Starbucks and you see other people reading, like that's a good time to just insert yourself and plug yourself. But if you're an introvert like me, Mm-hmm. book ads and word of mouth with family and friends my family and friends do a lot of promoting for me okay word like, of mouth promo 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 that's my promo team mm-hmm. but i'm also big on book trailers mm. um i think giving people a visual of what's to come is a really big deal because i'm a visual person yeah i like to see things so for instance i've never read a harry potter book in my life but I love the movies because by the time I found out that they were actually books, the movies had already started coming out. So for me, one day I, I'm, I eventually plan to read Harry Potter. It's on my list, but every um, Harry Potter weekend, I'm sitting in my room glued to my bed watching those movies. Yeah. So I think visuals are really important. So I'm really big on book trailers. And then just getting, like, submit your book to um, competitions and different award panels to, you know, get that exposure out there. Book trailers, word of mouth, submitting to contests and things like that. You know, um, how, what are some ways to self-publish? So CreateSpace is the most popular, right? And uh, that's the platform that you use, correct? Yes, Curious Space is very popular, but recently, and when I say recent, I, I mean like maybe just last week, um, Curious Space eliminated a lot of their services mm. um, because Amazon is all about, you know, the bigger picture. Um, they have gotten rid of their formatting services, their editing services, their book cover service. They've gotten rid of everything. And Kindle Direct Publishing as well, like they don't have those services anymore either. So you can still publish through Create Space and um, Kindle Direct Publishing, but as far as those other services that they used to provide, you're gonna have to go elsewhere for those. Um, there are some other um, publishers, print on demand, um, Ingram and Baker and Taylor, and there's let me see, Book Baby is a newer one. Okay. But now at this point, like I said, like the industry is changing every day. Like Amazon was just like, you know, we we can be we could invest this money somewhere else. So they took away those services. So I mean it's a lot out there, you just have to search for it. Wow, so but um so you can still publish, you just have to do all of the extra things on your own. Basically find people Right. Okay. Right. Your manuscript needs to be edited and formatted before you submit it to them. For printing. What do you see yourself in the next three, five, ten years as an author? Like, what are your ultimate goals um, as far as, you know, writing and things of that nature? Um, as far as writing, I'm, I'm ready to get behind the camera, actually. Like, okay. I want to write scripts. I want to get into producing. Um, I'm really thinking about moving to Atlanta in the next couple of years because it's, it's basically Black Hollywood right now. I remember um, post-Katrina, like, New Orleans was a spot to, you know, shoot everything. And now everything has shifted to Atlanta. I really want to, you know, write some scripts for some TV shows and get into film and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the next step, like, the next goal that I'm trying to achieve. 
Okay. And basically, your your books are going to segue you into that realm. And it's, it's happened so many times. You know, you just mentioned Harry Potter, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling. Although she didn't write those scripts for Harry Potter, I believe she had creative control over the scripts for Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it happens every day, you know. Books are being licensed into movies, but, you know, authors are transitioning to, you know, writing scripts and producing. So, you know, that's that's an amazing goal. Let me ask you this. What motivates you to do this? So what motivates you to continue to write and continue to produce content that, you know, addresses issues in the black community? It's my therapy, honestly. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's the purpose God set for me, and I'm not going to deter from it at all because I feel good when I'm writing I'm in a good mood it's cleansing and it feels good to hear other people say like something you wrote touched me Mm. or I could relate to that so it's it's therapy therapy that's that's deep and that's you know that's that's real that's some real talk right there you know um some people say they love cooking because it's therapeutic you know you love writing because it's therapeutic. We have to do what keeps us sane and keep us happy in this right. crazy world. Um, so can you tell us about uh, Running From Color? Where can people purchase it? You know, the details, you know, things like that. So Running From Color is available on Amazon. You just type in Running From Color um, and it'll pull up or you can type in my name, Marina K. Um, that's M-O-R-E-N-I-K-E. And since I did create space, it's only available on Amazon right now. I selected an option to be exclusive through them. Um, I'm going to do a second edition where it allows me to, like, distribute to libraries and things like that. So that's something that I'm working on. But right now it's available on Amazon. Okay. And what is one last piece of advice you can give to all the aspiring authors out there who... You know, they're trying to get over that writer's block. They're trying to really get this book published. You know, I'm one of them. You know, I've been trying to finish my novel for a minute. What is one last piece of advice you can give us? Just keep writing. You got to exercise your brain every day. And if you don't do that, then you have nothing. Like, you, you're basically throwing in the towel. If you, if you don't let your writer's block defeat you, then you never were meant to write to begin with like just keep writing it doesn't matter if it doesn't mean anything right now if it doesn't have a purpose now it's going to have a purpose later you're going to use whatever it is you wrote down yesterday sometime in the future just keep writing just keep writing is just that simple thank you for those words Nigel Morenike Matori no problem thank you for having me likewise so for all the aspiring entrepreneurs and authors out there let's continue to work let's continue to write and let's make things happen until next week i'll talk to you have a great day